right. Hi, everybody. Hey, hello. Hi. <laughs> hello, digital world. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. My name is Maite Ortiz. I'm here um, as a designer for Circular Economy Manufacturing and today's hostess of this workshop. This is our virtual workshop of LA composting with sustainable works. Um, today you'll be watching and learning exactly what happens with compost in Los Angeles. On the panel today, we have our co-founder and director of Circular Economy Manufacturing, Barrett Roth. And we have, well, it is the greatest pleasure to be hosting Gina Garcia, who is the co-executive director and director of community programs of Sustainable Works, and Susie Borlito, co-executive director and director of the Green Business Program, who will be joining us shortly. As Circular Economy Manufacturing, we have created these monthly workshops to further awareness and education surrounding sustainable practices like compost, recycling, and renewable energy. Composting tackles the biocycle, which is the way that the earth moves and the cycle of life on earth. Life grows from the earth and compost is an incredible fuel that fertilizes our organic waste. Uh, composting is incredibly important for the health of our environment, and it is a very simple step that everybody can do to contribute solving climate change. You can find all of our workshops on our website resources. And so without further ado, I pass on the mic to Barrett, who will tell you a little bit more about us. Sure. <clears throat> Thanks, Maite. If you want to go ahead and share uh, the uh, uh, presentation, I have the benefit uh, tonight of being able to uh, show a little video. I'm going to speak for just a, a second here and uh, just share how excited I am to be reconnecting with my old colleagues at Sustainable Works. Uh, Gina was uh, one of the eager young minds soaking up the Green Living Workshop at Sustainable Works. And now uh, she's the co-executive director. Susie has been at <coughs> Sustainable Works even longer than, than I was there. Uh, but I'm just so excited to be able to reconnect with two old friends. Uh, I love what they're doing. It's such an amazing organization and excited to find ways for us to collaborate. So um, I'll, I'll be real quick here. We, we've taken uh, uh, some time off because we've been busy putting that micro factory in place on Governor's Island. We have 40% of the panels in place. This is what it'll look like when it's all in place, but we're excited to start uh, producing products. And the first one we'd like to try and launch with is this product we call the BioCycler. And we have a little video here that explains it in its entirety. So I'm going to mute myself and let the video uh, do the talking. Circular economy manufacturing is changing the way the world makes things, starting with BioCycler, the first sustainably made food scrap collection bin. Using your single-use plastic, we are rotationally molding long-lasting products in our solar-powered shipping containers. Introducing the Microfactory. We put recycled plastic in a mold, heat it up, and rotate it. 
With the success of the globe, we're ready to make Foodscraft collection bins an essential for sustainable living. My name is Mary Roth, and I've devoted my entire career to designing, educating, advocating, and currently manufacturing for what is now known as a circular economy. Our first micro factory is on Governor's Island, a climate change hub just south of Manhattan. We're in the midst of our installation, and yet with 40% of our panels in place, we're able to collect enough of the sun's energy to store it in a battery bank, shred plastic, melt it, and mold it in our operational rotational molder. That means that we can turn single-use plastic into durable products. Our bin is long and narrow for odor-free storage in a freezer door, also preventing spills when sliding food scraps off your cutting board. It's easy to wash, dishwasher safe, and fits compostable bags. Each product is unique in color and made by using recycled plastic and renewable solar energy. My name is Chris Graff. I've spent my career in manufacturing. Usually, plastic collected in the U.S., shipped around the world for processing, and then shipped back to the U.S. to be made into products, all powered by fossil fuels. I partnered with Barron, and we created a manufacturing operation that tightens the loop. This is how we do it. Solar panels collect energy that powers the entire shipping container, and batteries store energy for when the sun is shining. Cycle plastic is run through a shredder to create plastic flakes. The flakes are poured into our product molds and then the rotational mold machine is activated. Electric heaters melt the flakes, forming a thin layer of plastic in the mold. After a few minutes, the heat is removed, the plastic hardens, and we have our product. We're bringing urban manufacturing back, but this time for a circular economy. Our process supports the technical cycle using solar-powered microfactories to recycle single-use plastic into durable goods, while our first product supports the biological cycle, regenerating natural systems through composting. When you support our campaign, the reward is so much more than the tangible object. You're helping us bring that sustainable, resilient future into the present. Join us today. All right. Um, thanks so much for joining us, uh, Gina and Sudi. We're excited to learn about composting in LA, and I will stop there and uh, let Gina take it from here. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Barrett. Uh, it's so happy to be here. Um, it's so nice to reconnect with you and collaborate, as you said, and so happy to be able to talk with you and share what we're doing on the West Coast. So um, I'm the co-executive director of Sustainable Works. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about our organization, and then I'm going to go into the composting. So Sustainable Works, our mission, um, we foster healthy and more equitable communities to heal our natural environment through interactive events, educational programs, and green business initiatives. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about our interactive events and our educational programs. And then my co-ED, Susie, will join us later to talk about uh, the green business program. So at Sustainable Works, we've been helping build sustainable communities since 1998. We partner with cities, businesses, organizations, and educational institutions so that we can help them meet, reach their sustainability and climate action goals. And we are um, a nonprofit environmental organization. We're a project of community partners. Um, 
So uh, starting off, uh, one of the programs that we have is our community sustainability uh, uh, program, and it's basically about doing different events. So we've been doing events since 2009, all sorts of different events. Some examples are um, we did in 2017 a photography event called Connect to Protect. So it's really important to protect what we care about, the environment, but if we're not connected to it, it's a little bit more challenging. So at this event, we encourage city residents in Santa Monica to take photographs of how they connect to nature within the city. And so they submitted their, their, their photos, we had a uh, judging, and then we had a celebration, as you can see in this uh, uh, picture, to honor all the winners. There were great photos um, submitted. We also have a sustainable fashion show. We've done three of them, and there's two elements to the fashion show. One, of course, is highlighting sustainable designers who are designing with sustainability in mind, but we also uh, showcase resale shops because even more important than designing sustainably, why not not create products to begin with and use what's already out there and not have to use any more resources? So all of our fashion shows have had two components, the, uh, the new designers and then the resale. And well, then we've done, a couple, we've done a couple of sustainable food events, uh, People, Planet, Plate. And this is really all focused on anything dealing with sustainable food. We've had uh, organizations with community, uh, with community sustainability um, agriculture, uh, imperfect produce. They collect produce that doesn't meet the standard and is considered imperfect that would usually get tossed. We've had, we, we include uh, composting. We have uh, organic wine tasting, fair trade chocolate tasting, restaurants that came out with um gave us small bites that were, orga uh, that were organic and um, vegan or vegetarian. So it's a great festival, as you can see, a lot of people gathering to learn a lot about sustainable food. We also have a sustainable film series as part of our community program, and we've been screening films since 2014. We do about three to four a year, and to date we've done 26 films. And back in 2018, as you can see, we were lucky enough to have Al Gore join us after we screened his second film, An Inconvenient Sequel, Truth to Power. Amazing to get to meet him and um, shake his hand. And each uh, event is followed by a panel discussion, or in this case, a Q&A, because Al Gore didn't need anyone else to be up there uh, with him. Um, in 2020, uh, of course, we had to move virtual. So we started doing our screenings virtually. And the first film we did was The Biggest Little Farm, amazing small organic farm just north of LA. Uh, that uh, gentleman is the, not only the farmer, but he also is the director who created the film. If you haven't seen it, you should try to see it. Um, and it's great to be able to do our films virtually because then we can bring in people from all over the world. And we've had people, Mexico and, and China, everywhere join our films. On that note, we do have a film screening coming up next month on November 17th and goes right along with uh, uh, Barron's amazing project he's working on. It's called The Story of Plastic. Uh, it's at 6 p.m. Pacific time, but anyone can join. It is a virtual event, and I believe my taste is going to put the, um, the link to register in the chat. So we'd love to have you join us and um, see this great film. It actually won an Emmy for Best Writing. And the third part of our sustainability uh, community program is our Sustainable Student Poster Contest. And this has been going on since 2012, and it's for students from the age kindergarten to 12th grade. Um, and we have different themes every year. It's a different theme. So what we do is we go into the classroom, we educate the students on the topic, on the theme. Then we encourage them to create posters. The posters are judged, categorized by student age. And then the winners 
And all students who participate are uh, honored at a celebration. And this is from 2020, the last time we could do it live. And these were all of our student winners. So it gives them an opportunity to be educated, but then educate the community by creating posters that we display um, in the city. Um, and then we have our student greening program, which is a great program at a Santa Monica, we do it in Santa Monica College where our office is located. Actually, that's the Center for Environmental and Urban Studies and our office is in that building. This is a great peer-to-peer -peer program. So students take these workshops because they get extra credit from participating professors. Um, but once they've taken the workshop, they can be trained to lead the workshop. So they become workshop leaders and you get more buy-in and students are more likely to adapt behaviors when they're learning from their peers. Also, we don't feel like we're preaching to the choir because the students are coming for their extra credit, but we get to open their eyes, especially those students that sustainability isn't anywhere on their radar. So to date, we've had 10,000 students graduate from the program and each student is required to do three hours of community service. So we've had over 29,000 hours of community service that have been done through this program. Awesome. Um, and in 2017, uh, we were able to bring our programs to high schools, a Santa Monica College actually funded program. So we've been offering our programs in Venice and Santa Monica High School since 2014. And we're working with the college to bring it to three other cities in um, LA. Another great thing about this, it's a really great opportunity for student leadership. Students get leadership skills, public speaking, team building, time management organization, and it builds their confidence and their knowledge. They can put it on college resumes and on job applications. So that's it about sustainable works, uh, but you're here for composting. So let's get into that. First, I'm gonna be talking about what's going on in Santa Monica. We work with the city directly. Um, we worked with LA in the past. Uh, we're currently working with uh, Santa Monica and Culver Cities. Excuse me. So I'm gonna start with zero waste plan because um, composting or green, um, green waste uh, recycling comes is part of city's zero waste plans. So more and more cities are starting to have zero waste plans and then incorporating that. And it's important because in, in California in 2018, 39 million tons of waste went to the landfill. And of that, one third was actually organic material that could have been composted. About 18% of it was actually food, 12% uh, was lumber, 9% was landscape waste, and nearly 20% was paper and cardboard. So um, it's really important to keep this waste out of the landfill because when when weight, when uh, compostable materials in the landfill it breaks down and creates methane which is one of the potent greenhouse gases um, so it's really important to reduce as much as we can what we send to the landfills um, and uh, these um, these uh, this compost and uh, and mulch is really good soil amendment it really helps with our, our land it conserves water it helps to avoid uh, erosion and runoff and it builds healthy soil but it's really important in california because mulch and compost can help remediate the land post fire. And as you may have heard, we've had a lot of fire in California. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's a really great thing to, to, that can uh, mitigate, you know, help um, improve some of the soil. Um, so Santa Monica's goal, their goal is to reach 95% uh, zero waste by 2030. And that means that each, it would have to reduce each resident's um, contribution to 1.1 pounds per person per day. So that is the goal of Santa Monica. So how are they doing that? Well, they have a we have a residential organics program here in Santa Monica, and it's basically all around the green bin. Um, so what can go in the green bin? Typically, it's some food scraps um, and soiled paper and jar trimmings. But in Santa Monica, it's pretty much 
almost everything that is compostable or that will biodegrade. So from paper to uh, yard trimmings, uh, coffee filters, tea bags, but you can also put eggs and dairy products. You can put meat, bones, seafood, scraps. And when I tell people this in Santa Monica, they're like, what? You can put meat and bones, not in your backyard compost, but in the green bins in Santa Monica, you can put this all fruits and vegetable scraps and this all will be composted. So there is really no excuse. And this is great for people who aren't comfortable or for whatever reason don't want to compost in their own backyard. The green bin system is really, really easy. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, it's great. And so the city helps out by uh, offering food scrap collection options. Um, these are the two that they've offered in the past. Um, I think we need to add Barron's, uh, one that goes in the freezer because neither <laughs> one of these will go in the freezer. So we get, hopefully we get the city to do that. But what's great, I personally like the, the metal one that says compost because it's vintage looking and it is metal and trying to avoid plastic as much as we can. But what's great about having a pail like this is you put it on your counter and it reminds you that your food scraps need to go in here and not in the trash. So having this yeah. there is a great way to collect it. And then you just take this couple, you know, every other day or however much compost you have every other day out to your, your green bin in the back. Uh, and the city has um, supports, they, they do charge for some of these bins, but at times they give them away for free. So this is a photo from um, our um, People Planet Plate, our sustainable food event. And the city set up this reuse booth. And as you can see, all the compost bins are in the pails are in the back there. And they were giving out one bin to every person who attended the event, whether you were a Santa Monica resident or not, to really get composting out there and make people aware of it. So they do give them away from time to time, but um, they also charge. Uh, and it's a nominal, like I think $4.95 if you're a resident. Um, and at our events, we always have zero waste stations. This is actually from that same event. Uh, where we collect compostables, recyclables, and hopefully very, very minimal trash. And then we take these green, this basket of compostables and we do put it in the green bin so that the city can um, compost it. So what happens after it's in the green bin? Well, it gets to a station. It goes to a station, Waste Management Incorporated uh, processes it. They take it to right now, it's the Rialto um, it's in Rialto, California. It used to be Agrimen, which our organization actually took a tour of, which was amazing and very interesting. But the city recently moved to uh, sending it to Rialto. And basically the bottom line is cost. They go, they saved money by, by switching. But in this plant, they are using something called the Oryx Organics Extruder. So the uh, municipal solid waste comes in, they take out all the large pieces, everything that they can see, and then the rest is put this, it, this extruder and it basically smashes it through this grate that has really tiny holes so that only the organics can get through and everything else, like small particles, small plastic, uh, doesn't get through. And then that, that organic material is then used to either become straight compost or it's used, um, they use it uh, to make biogas for, um, for energy. And then all the rejects and everything else that, that didn't make it into that compost part is becomes um, refuge derived fuel. So it's just another source of fuel, but it's not biogas. Um, and it's considered a form of renewable energy. Wow, um, how small so, are those holes? Oh, I'm, can you guys see me if I put my hand up? Yeah, yeah. They're probably around that, that bit, that's like small. Like the diameter of a pencil? 
probably smaller because it has to, uh, it almost comes out kind of maybe liquefied a little at the end. So it wow. just has to be made sure that none of the bigger plastics um, can go through. So this is a new, mm. this was new for the city and the gentleman uh, that we work with was offered to take us on a tour of this facility because we haven't seen it. The thing uh -huh. is the city is now um, working to on an RFP to find a new person to process their, a new company to process their organics. It doesn't okay. necessarily have to be new. It may be the same company, but every time again, okay. Yeah. Every time they put out an RFP uh, again, it, it kind of, uh, they want to do it to save money. So yeah. sure. Yeah. So that's going out soon. That's going out within the next few weeks. So we may have a new processor, but we always like to visit so we can have a real, and I have not visited this yet, but to have a, personal experience to see what, what it looks like. Um, so, and it is a closed, loose, a closed loose loop system. I'm having trouble saying that word. So once the compost is made, they bring it back, some of it back to the city of Santa Monica uh, and they distribute it to residents um, via a compost giveaway. So these happen about three times a year in the city of Santa Monica. Our, the last one we had was just last weekend. And so the, we, you put your stuff in the green bin, it's taken to the facility, it's composted, and some of it comes back. As a resident, you can go and you can fill up up to five large bags with the compost while the supplies last. And then you can bring it back and you can use it on your garden. So it's a great way to get people to compost and uh, their, their green waste and then have it come back if they don't want to do it um, on their own property. But, you know, there is the transportation of the materials to the facility and back. So backyard composting is the best bet. But again, this is, we really want encourage all composting. So you got to meet people where they're at. Um, and if people aren't, you know, in Santa Monica, if they want to learn about composting, how to compost, they're not familiar with it. We have a great community gardens program. And we have, I think, about four community gardens. Most of them are just that people can have plots and grow their garden. But there's one the Ishihara Community Garden, it's a learning garden. And they do have composting workshops there. They don't have a set schedule. It's really cool because it's um, you just ask that you say you want to learn about composting and they will invite you over. They process all their composting right there and they'll invite you over and, and teach a workshop for one or more people while they're processing the compost so you can learn there. But they also teach composting through the um, Grow LA Victory Garden um, it's a four four week four um, meeting series on four Saturdays. Um, the program here at Ishihara Garden is completely free. The one at the Victory Garden is uh, there's a nominal fee, but it's really great because the money that they collect supports the LA County uh, Master Gardener program. And the gentleman there in the green shirt in the back, his name is Teague Waybright, and he's a community gardens program coordinator. Great guy. He has 25 years of uh, gardening uh, experience. He's a, a great gardener. And he wants to bring a new program called Food to Soil to Santa Monica. It's based in San Diego and it's basically a neighborhood composting program where um, someone, residents can take other residents' compost. So, for example, people get Barron's Green bit, uh, Blue containers, they collect compost, they freeze it, and then they can deliver it to um, a resident who's agreed to take the composting. So, it's creating a partnership where people who don't have the ability to compost or don't want to, can give it to people who want the food scraps, who want to uh, compost more. I like that. Yeah, and there's a lot of program. There was also a program where they were working on to share gardens, like someone, if you were a gardener but didn't have a plot and you were a homeowner who had space but didn't want to garden, they connect, um, but they're not really, 
there was a lot of issues with that. Um, they're trying to find an organization that can manage that. So that's another great way to um, get people to be in their gardens. Um, and the, the city actually um, sells compost bins to encourage backyard composting. The one on the left, the Biostack composter, is for ba regular backyard composting. And the Wrigley Ranch worm composter is for worm composting. If you don't have uh, land in the back, you can put that on your front, uh, on your balcony. You can put it on by your front door um, if you want to compost with worms. But none of the, the city's uh, bins come with worms. They're just the bins themselves. And they, they sell them to Santa Monica residents and anyone else. It's just uh, a little bit cheaper for Santa Monica residents. And this is a really cool thing that we have. It's actually housed at Santa Monica College. Barrett knows about this. Yeah, this is the Vermitech. And as far as I knew a few years ago, this had not existed anywhere else. I'm not sure if it, still, if, it, if it only exists in Santa Monica College still, but we take the students that are in the workshops on a tour and this is part of the tour. The gentleman with the purple shirt and the tag, he's um, Ferris Kawar, and he's the program director for sustainability at Santa Monica College. And these are some uh, professors he's taking the tour of. But um, since yeah, 2001, came to the microfactory two weekends ago. It was great. Uh, we got to catch up a little bit. <laughs> so um, good to see him still giving worm tours. Love it. Yeah, it, it, people <laughs> love this. Uh, I always, when I used to give worm tours, people would like stand back and I'm like, you know, worms don't have wings they, and they don't jump. So no teeth. This was actually um, the guy that designed this was from Canada. And the first, um, you know, public place to showcase this was Santa Monica College back in 2003. Wow. I think that's how long we've had that. No, since 2001. 2001. Okay. Yeah. So wow. it's a it's a closed loop composting system. There's about 4,000, 400,000 worms in there that are working really hard to convert 500 pounds of food scraps a week. And those food scraps come from the Santa Monica College cafeteria. So they compost, they put the food scraps in here, the worms process it, and then they use that compost for landscaping throughout the college. And this prevents about 10,000 pounds of food waste from going into landfills each year. So is there it's a great place that does this. Like I, I took it for granted when I was on campus there, and you know, it was like, oh yeah, there's the giant worm bin. But you know, is there anyone else doing this? Back then, I there, I was told there wasn't, and I actually looked it up because I forget the reason, and I couldn't find it anywhere. I don't know. This was a couple of years ago. I don't know if it has expanded, but I have not seen or heard of it. Um, wow. I don't think any other community college. Yeah. In no. California, anyway, has has this. We're the only one. Uh, so it's a great, it's a great uh, piece for this, the college. It's really, it's a really great thing. We did actually have a die off a couple years ago of the worms because we they will give us worms from time to time if, if community members ask for worms. These are the red wriggler worms. We, we can give yep. them, but we had a die off um, uh, for some reason, and so they had to like it was really sad, and they had to not take any worms out for a, a few months to let it. Uh, they pr they produce very fast, but we had to give them time to do that. Interesting. This is a little bit uh, inside, a little bit up close, seeing the, the materials just getting smaller and smaller. Almost looks like they've been shredded. The food goes through a grinder. All the food yeah. and paper materials um, goes, goes through a grinder so the worms can eat it quicker. You know, worms don't have teeth. So goes through a grinder, the food goes in there, and that's what you see at the top is the food and all the paper waste. Yeah, and there's more, the more, the small, you want more surface area, so you want the uh, items, the things to be as small as possible so that they uh, process faster. 
So moving on to the city of LA, as with Santa Monica, Los Angeles has their own zero waste plan. So they, um, they want to, so their uh, goal is to get 100% zero waste by 2050. So the steps to that is to um, divert, uh, to increase their diversion to 90% by 2025 and to 95% by 2035 to eventually get to 100% zero waste by 2050. And they want to reduce their municipal solid waste generation per capita by 15% by the year 2030. Um, and they want to phase out all um, single-use plastics going to the landfill by 2028. And they also want to eliminate all organic material from going to the landfill by 2028. So they have some, some lofty goals there. Um, and they also do uh, it through residential composting. They have a city program. Um, but unlike Santa Monica, it's very limited. So what can go in the green bin in Los Angeles? Yard trimming. So anything, you cut a tree, you cut a plant, you can put that in. Grass clippings, clippings of any variety of grass. Fruits and vegetables, but you can only put in fruits and vegetables that have come from your yard and that have not been eaten. And so nothing that's prepared or processed. If that's the case, it has to go into the black bin, which is really sad but they do take leaves and branches of all sizes. As you can see in the photo of quite thick branch there, they take um, all leaves and branches. But on the good, uh, on the positive note, in 2020, they piloted the Curb Your Food Waste LA, it was a Curb Your uh, Food Waste LA pilot, started in 2020. And what they did was they reached out to 18,000 households in 25 neighborhoods. And with the ordinance, you'll hear from Susie about what's coming statewide. They really want to get people, uh, because there's going to be some requirements for uh, composting for organic processing, organic waste. They really want to get people aware of that. So it's an educational program. It has four components. Shop smart, which means when you go to the supermarket, start at the very beginning. Look at what you're buying and shop so that you're not creating waste off the top. So make smart decisions in shopping. Second is waste less. So once you bring it home, eat it, find ways to, to not waste the food once, it, once it's at home, overcooking or letting stuff rot. Number three is recycle the rest. So if you do happen to have things that you couldn't consume and are bad, make sure they go in the green bin and I'll explain that in a second. And then um, home compost, educating residents on the importance of home composting and what that means. So as part of the program, they've changed for these 18,000 uh, community members in the 25, 18,000 households, excuse me, in the um, 25 neighborhoods, they can pretty much do what we do in Santa Monica. All of this can go in the green bin, fruits and vegetables, dairy, eggs, bread, cereal, grains, everything that's on that list. So yeah, this is a, meat and bone. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. And now Santa Monica, same thing, meat and bones. People think, you know, that you can't, you can't typically put that in and you should never put that in your back, your own backyard bin. You should never put meat, bones, anything that can cause bacteria because backyard compost bins don't get hot enough to, you know, kill anything, the bacteria, anything that could be um, bad. But in the green bins in Santa Monica, all that stuff goes in. And in this pilot program in L.A., all of this stuff can go in. I don't know where the pilot program stands right now. It started last year. Um, okay. So it's, I can update you when I get that information. Okay. So then these green bins are taken to uh, facilities, to the uh, LA sanitation facilities. Only 20% of what goes into the green bin goes to LA owned facilities. The rest goes to um, contracted vendors. 
but, but all the green, green materials is sent there for processing into mulch or compost. And there's a lot of mulch in, in, um, in LA because there isn't the, the green waste as much. But what they do is they basically reduce the particles, uh, they clean it from contaminants, then they reduce the size down as we showed in the um, Vermitech, smaller particles are better. So they reduce the size down then they build the compost piles. As you can see, this is just one of the facilities that they, they uh, LA Sanitation owns, it's at Griffith Park. And then they have the compost piles. It takes about 30 to 60 days for it to process. And then they screen the end product and then they deliver that end product back to the user. And like they do in Santa Monica, it is a, they try to close the loop as much as possible and they bring back mulch for residents gotcha. in awesome. LA. So they have about 10 locations throughout the city of Los Angeles. It's called the free mulch um, pro process and it's a giveaway at locations. It's self-serve, so you have to bring your own shovel and your own bag. But unlike Santa Monica that has a five bag limit here, you can take as much as you can carry. It just depends on how much is there. It's, wow. it's all you know based on availability. That seems new. Like I don't remember any of that when I was there. No, fun. it wasn't. When we were working with LADWP and working specifically in LA, they did not have this program. They maybe okay. copied it. So hopefully it'll be more than mulch. Hopefully it'll be compost if that pilot program takes off and they mm -hmm. spread it. Um, because yeah, the state mandates are for, I believe for businesses and um, multi-unit, not for individual residents. So we got to do something to help residents compost more. Um, gotcha. So to educate, um, they offer in LA composting workshops. They were actually, I should say, they were offering. Um, the last I saw was that they were temporarily canceled because of um, COVID. But this mulch program had also been postponed and they started up in June. And then uh, LA County thing I'm going to tell you about, they were also on hold, but now they have virtual. So this com these composting workshops may be coming back. Um, oh my goodness, sorry. Um, so these are offered when they are available, they're offered in three locations at the Griffith Park, where you just saw the composting facility, the Lopez Canyon Environmental Education Center and the uh, South L.A. Wetlands Educational Center. And they off, they give you with part of the workshop, you can get a compost bin or a worm bin and mulch. And they have really discounted prices of $20 per bin, which is really it's much cheaper than Santa Monica. So if, if and when they have the workshops back and you participate in the city of LA, you can get your bins at um, $20 and get educated on how to compost. Uh, but Santa Monica and LA, city of LA are both in LA County, a lot of other cities there. And there is a countywide program through uh, Smart Gardening. It's gardening workshops and also composting workshops. So they had canceled the um, in-person, but they recently started doing virtual workshops. So the workshops are about they're an hour, it's 45 minutes of educating via the, um, the virtual platform. And then there's 15 minutes of Q&A and um, they take compost bin orders during that time. Cool. And I'll tell you about their compost bins in a second, but they have four areas, four different workshops that they offer. They offer intro to composting, they offer water-wise gardening, they offer organic gardening, and then they have small space gardening. And small space gardening also has program, uh, they educate on vermicomposting or worm composting in the small um, space, small space garden. Those are four different workshops that they offer? Four different workshops. Intro to composting is one where you learn about backyard and, and uh, regular worm composting. Um, Water-wise, where you create beautiful drought-tolerant landscapes. Organic gardening, you, it's all about building healthy soils. 
and they show you about growing herbs and vegetables and then the small space like if you want you know pots inside or a window box or a small little um, container cool. garden and vermicomposting we can put that link in the show notes uh, yeah it's uh, smart, unless you have it you can it's smartgardening.com it. and then cool. you just left you just click on workshops and then cool. you'll see so it'll say virtual and you click on that and that's what it looks okay. like yeah um and then these are the bins similar to santa monica these are the bins that the uh you can get as you have to take the smart gardening workshop in order to get the bins at a discounted rate uh, but they have the backyard compost bins and the worm compost bins. They also give you the bedding material and they actually include the worms in, with this. So they're the African red worms, also known as red wigglers, and they have those for you. And I feel like I've talked enough. That's composting in LA and the on the residential side. Um, Susie will um, talk about some stuff with the business program. Thank you very much. Thanks, Gina. That's awesome. Okay, I'm up. Go for it, Susie. That's great. I want to make sure it works. I do still have to hit that. Okay. Hope that works. So composting in LA. Okay, for businesses. Hold on. Uh, we're not uh, trying to advance your slide, Susie. It doesn't seem. Yeah. Moving. Yeah. Let's double check that. Yeah. Let me let me try. Yeah, it's not quite advancing. Can one of you? Yeah, let's try. Why don't you stop share and then reshare okay. in uh, again? Okay. And my take and uh, make sure it's once you stop sharing, um, see if it's working on your end first, and then we'll and then we'll bring bring it in. How's that? Can you see that? Can you see that? Yes. No, we can. Uh, okay. Let's you're muted, Maite, if you want to. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, can you try scrolling down? I think. Yeah, it's there working. There we go. Great. Here we go. Awesome. I'm in. Okay. Go so, again, that. Sustainable Works. Hi, I work with, I'm going to talk about um, composting for businesses, commercial composting in Los Angeles, because I direct our green business programs at Sustainable Works. And so, just to recap, we do three, you know, we are, our core programs, we have three of them. Student greening, Jan just talked about community sustainability where we do events and the green business program, the little green circle right there. And all of our programs focus on six resource areas, water, energy, waste, chemicals, transportation and purchasing. And today we're gonna focus on waste. So just a little bit about um, how I work with businesses. We have a program since 2001, we've been offering it. We're funded by cities currently by Santa Monica and by Culver City. In the past, we've had some LA funding. It comes and goes, but Santa Monica has been our main funder for since 2001. Recently, we picked up Culver City, which is near Santa Monica. We've served over 9,000 businesses, educated um, over about 40,000 employees at this date. And you know, we really take businesses through um, efficiency for all those six areas that I just mentioned. Okay, and the program is primarily designed for small, um, small to medium businesses. We do work with a few large ones, um, and it's a three to six month process where we do a really intensive on-site assessment. It takes us um, two to three hours. We gather a bunch of information, baseline, um, energy, water savings, waste baseline, um, what they, we do an audit. And then we have a checklist that we take the businesses through 
educating employees is really key and then following up to make sure they fulfill all the criteria to achieve a certification. During COVID, everything magically happened virtually. So we have a database system and uh, we managed to continue offering our program and even certifying businesses during COVID. So whew, that was um, a good thing. So we, in, so we currently work with, through the California Green Business Network, um, California, and uh, they've expanded to other states. They have this whole database where all the cities in California that have government-funded programs feed all their metrics into. And so in Santa Monica and Culver City and LA as well, uh, we work with many of the sectors. The network offers, I think, about three sectors for greening. Um, we work with office retail, restaurant grocer, lodging, all the hotels, hostels, arts and cultural facilities, and schools. So depending on the, the city, you know, they can't, it's like with our funding, we couldn't green 30 sectors. We also don't have any, you know, wineries or, or farms here to certify. So those are our primary sectors that we work with. And yeah, to date, we've worked, you know, with over 900 businesses and we've certified about 250. We only started certifying businesses in 2007, but the program has been around for 20 years. So a little bit more about the California Green Business Network, because it is a statewide program. I don't know if you can see there, but, um, you know, many, the, the, the program can be funded by county or by city. So counties, there's about like, you know, 15 um, cities, there's about 10. The network keeps growing. I think in total, there's about 40 programs offered statewide, those shaded areas there. The dark green have programs. The light green were in process a couple years ago, but I believe the light green cities and counties are now offering programs. So over 40 government funded programs statewide, um, over 3,500, businesses have been certified and about 2000 are currently in process statewide to achieve the certification. Fantastic. A little bit about Santa Monica. Oh, do you have a question, Baron? No, I just said fantastic. It's uh, cool. incredible what you've yeah. been able to do over these years. And it keeps growing. That network, they're also in Illinois, Washington, and Arizona. So it's the Green Business Network. Anyway, just greenbusinessca.org is the website. Gotta get, right gotta get them in New York, Baron. <laughs> yeah, really. They can go to New York. You just you just need some money. Each um, jurisdiction has to pay, depending on how many businesses in their jur jurisdiction, they pay a membership fee. That fee can range from 3,000 to more, depending on the business population. Gotcha. A little bit about Santa Monica, just to ease into the comp back into the composting subject. It's so much easier to, you know, to have upstream, you know, upstream, get rid of all the plastics and just have compostables. So Santa Monica passed an ordinance two years ago, as did Culver City. LA, not so much. LA, they're, they're striving towards it. LA is a much bigger beast and city than, you know, Santa Monica and Culver City. But two years ago, this ordinance was passed. So basically try, getting food services, food service industry, the restaurants, hotels, to replace to only offer um, bio marine degradable to-go materials. So ah, that's important. get rid of all the plastic, replace all the utensils with wood, paper straws, you know, reusables really is the first, you know, re we want reusables first, right? But in 
you know, in reality, the way, you know, the way things are right now, especially with COVID, a lot of restaurants, you know, disposables and to go were, were necessary. So, um, so I help businesses just, just strive and replace, get rid of all the disposables and go to the marine degradable materials. The, the, you know, it's doable. Challenges are lids. So um, Santa Monica exempted lids because to get a tight fitting, I think design has come a long, long way. You can get really great tight fitting lids. However, for soup containers, a tight fitting marine degradable lid can be a little challenging and um, just to avoid um, liability, you know, a couple restaurants, people had their cardboard lid in the car. It was a hot soup, the lid fell out burning. And so there were a couple liability issues came up. So Santa Monica exempted lids um, very soon after the ordinance was passed. Just a heads up, but again, technology is coming a long way. You can get tight fitting, great lids. It's just a little tricky, you know, in case that lid falls off. Um, but what qualifies as marine degradable? I love this distinction because I think very few cities have taken it this seriously. Yeah. But I assume PLA is not marine degradable. Well, Baron, you know, I knew you were going to ask that question, which is why I prepared <laughs> this next slide. What does marine degradable mean? Because when I, I last Googled... <laughs> that's, that's such a great segue. Thank you so much. When I Googled this term a couple of years ago, when the ordinance was passed, if you Google it or, you know, it doesn't come up like on, it didn't come up on Wikipedia. It, you know, I should learn how to do that, but there is no definition. So, but this is the definition that Santa Monica came up with products designed to biodegrade under the marine environmental conditions. Okay. So what does that mean? That really means the ocean is cold, right? So if you take a material, my little my little test, I take a, if someone says this is marine degradable, I take that material, I put it in a bucket, and you know, in California, it gets to about not as cold as the ocean. I have to say, you know, it does get in the 50s here, sometimes in the 40s, and so I leave it in my bucket. And if that material doesn't biodegrade, if it doesn't decompose, and I see no plastics in there, you know after a few weeks, then it's marine degradable. So PLA, number seven plastic, if you put that in the bucket, you check a year later, that thing is gonna look, It's that thing is not gonna break down. So- Marcus, Marcus Erickson of Five Gyres, uh, you know, a fellow friend of ours uh, said that he did that. He stuck it under a dock and came yeah. back a year later and the PLA was still there. He's like, you know, this is not gonna work. So- So there you go. Think that it's uh, those things only break down in facilities specifically made for them, and the yeah. problem is everyone's making them without thinking of the end use. How to get rid? You got to figure out how to get rid of it before you make the product. That's right. Where the system should be. You know, so natural materials, right? Paper, fiber, wood, bamboo, etc. That's what we are striving for businesses to do. Um, and then, just in terms of commercial organics recycling, it's in California and in most states. Uh, waste waste haulers are. Dealt, every city has a different waste hauler. You know, cities, county, sometimes counties, they need to contract with the, a trash hauler, a compost hauler, a recycling hauler. So every city, county has a different hauler, a different system. It's confusing. It's horrible. It's, it's the way it is. Um, and so some steps, because I work in different cities, these are the basic steps. Con find out who the hauler is ask what materials are accepted for, you know, trash recycling compost, perform a waste assessment, um, 
uh, figure out, you know, what's in the business's trash and how much food is in there. Um, you know, and then there's a law now, uh, AB 1383, uh, state law in California, that you need to find avenues of donating the edible food. So before the food ends up in the trash in California, that, that's a law now, must be donated. And then just clarify and then just fix your procure procurement. If your hauler doesn't take PLA for composting, which in California, there really are no facilities Sorry, sorry, in Southern California, there are no facilities to deal with the PLA. Northern California is a little bit more advanced. SoCal, it's not. So we're stuck with the natural materials, post the signage. And then most important, which is why it's in bold, is educate your staff so that, you know, for restaurants and hotels, they know the system and they know what materials go where. That's just in a nutshell. Um, I have a testimonial video to, video to show. I'm not going to show that because I think we're running a little short on time. Um, if you go to our website, sustainableworks.org, we have a YouTube, we have a YouTube account. Sorry, our YouTube Sustainable Works. We have both of these videos there. I just interviewed a few businesses and created videos on how they um, donate edible food and arrange for um, organic collection. But I'm going to, I'm not going to show that. Right both now. in the uh, in the show notes and in the, uh, yeah. in the chat as well. Sorry, totally. I think I went a little over on my presentation. That's <laughs> okay. Okay, and we're going to skip that and go right to um, the ordinances. So just, you know, beyond LA, there, California has a statewide ordinance too, um, SB 1383 and, 1820, and AB 1826. So AB 1826 is a mandatory commercial organics recycling ordinance. It was passed, actually, it started five years ago. It's a five-year process. So five years ago, large facilities, hotels and grocers and food manufacturing had to do it. And then the next year it went to hospitals and to schools. And then year three, it went to businesses with over 2,500 employees. So we've been implementing this for, um, this is our fifth, I think our fifth year. Um, and now all, as of this year, all businesses, as long as they have a dumpster, two yard dumpster or larger, um, they have to have a composting program. So, you know, why, um, you know, I think we all know or, organic, organic waste is the largest waste stream in California. So, and it, you know, creates methane and that's why we needed to, you know, to get to zero waste, we need to um, have programs statewide for organics, for diverting them from landfill. And so SB 1383, um, that, that ban is, um, Again, to reduce organic landfill, this is a little a uh, little corrupted here, but basically it's feed the, feed the edible food to people and then compost um, the rest of the food is is basically um, what that is. And a commercial business, it means a firm partnership, you know any any business um, and including multifamily. Multifamily is a um, considered commercial. These are the these are the businesses that need to have this in place um, by the end of this year. Another thing with the law is, with the statewide ordinance is um, all businesses have to move to a three tier. So it's a three tier organic waste collection services. A couple cities tried two tier, you know, wet weight, you know, wet, a wet, wet trash and dry, but that um, didn't work. And that doesn't work for collecting all the organic waste and for the, the paper and all the different haulers. Some accept, uh, some accept food waste, some don't. Um, some accept paper with the food, some don't. So now it's a three-tier bin system. 
Um, so in California, green bins, have, they have to be green, they're for organics, blue has to be for recycling, and gray or black is for trash. And container labeling is going to be required as of January 1st, 22. Um, all bins have to have a label so we know what goes in them. They must use language or they must use um, language and graphics. So, you know, they it has to be multilingual where possible, but otherwise you have an image and people know, you know, what should go in that bin. And um, starting next year, commercial starting, it's, it's been in place when the tier for that business size happened. Um, so, you know, for five years, uh, hospitals and grocers and, um, you know, restaurants have to annually provide information to employees, contractors, and also they have to track how much food waste they um, they are diverting. You have to weigh and um, arrange access for inspections to track our progress. And so just to, this is just a recap slide on um, tier one. Like when we started five years ago, I mentioned this already. So we're in um, tier two starts in 2024. Oh gosh, in so tier two, large venues and events need to start doing this in all state agencies and health facilities. Um, oh, the commercial edible food generators. Oh, this is interesting. I don't actually quite know what this is about. Sorry, I'm gonna skip that one. Um, tier one generators must comply by 2024. Okay, and so SB 1383 in action. Um, again, the ordinance, I think as of January 1st, all businesses need to be doing this. And then going forward, um, measuring and complying from 2022 to 24 needs to keep happening. And that's about it. This, for more details about the ordinance, um, there's the website, w2.calrecycle.ca for more information. This is my, this is our contact at CalRecycle if you wanna learn more, or deep dive into the ordinance. Um, it's Jenna Wessling. And that's it for me. We're ready for some questions if there are any. Awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in with a question right away. That's just kind of a a general. So uh, I left in 2011. Have you guys noticed a change in the uh, general uh, population's interest uh, in in this issue? Because we've seen. Um, uh, well, yeah, I'll leave it there because I, I have I, I, yeah. my thoughts, but I want to hear what, what you guys uh, have have noticed. So in the last sure. 10 years, you know. In sustainability in general or composting specifically? General and then composting. I can take, I can take a stab at this one. Go ahead. Go ahead. Indeed, yes. You know, so cities, you know, when you were with us there in 2011, Culver City didn't have a program. LA barely had a program. Um, Riverside, I mean, all this, all the surrounding, you know, LA County has 88 incorporated cities. Out of those 88 incorporated cities, maybe eight of them, eight or um, maybe eight or 10 had programs back in 2011. And, you, you know, composting programs or, or, no, sorry, just um, green. Uh, Sorry, in general, green, green business programs. I'm talking about, I guess, yeah, in the, the business yeah, answer, yeah. green business yeah. programs. So yeah. in the last few years, um, you know, 
Now Orange County has a program, Riverside, um, the South Bay. So a lot more cities have stepped up to fund business programs, which is how we, you know, we got our, we applied for the, we submitted a proposal for Culver City. We got it and now we're administering their program. So I think for cities to react, the community, like residents, residents need to, cities don't fund programs unless there's a demand is what I'm saying. So given that so many more cities now have green business programs under the California Green Business Network. Um, yeah, it's come a long way. Gotcha. Um, and as far as the residential side, yeah, I think people are way more aware and interesting. interested. It's funny because when I first started teaching workshops in 2009, I would talk, and this is a general sense, I would talk about climate effects, but they always felt so distant. Like it was never as close to home. And now it, it, people are seeing it in their, you know, it's happening, the amount of fires and things. So people are much more aware. I'm not so sure they're doing more. I mean, in a sense they are, but I, I think it comes back kind of what Susie said, if people want, you need to make it really easy for people. And that's why I think that these green bin things in the city that they're doing, because it, it may, it takes out any of the work you have to do. You're just, you're going to the trash anyway. You may as well have a separate mm -hmm. bin. So if people are more aware, um, what we're seeing, you know, we have three resale, uh, zero waste shops now in Santa Monica, which is recent. So it, but my, my issue is it's always happens too slow. I think we need to have, have yeah. all this happen a right. lot faster. Um, right. one thing that really hasn't changed is the percentage. We're still getting all of our workshops and stuff. It's still more women than men. Remember back when it was 90% women. Yeah. And the women are still the ones I was just looking through all the registration for our next event. It's like woman, 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 women. So mm -hmm. women will change the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we need it, um, for sure. Um, Wow, uh, very interesting. Um, I, it makes uh, it seems like um, there's slowly been a change in the business community as well. But it, uh, I think you're right, and it reminds me uh, where you when when you said Gina about how people are uh, experiencing it now, and it reminds me of. Uh, Paul Hawken was given his book tour and I heard him on a podcast talk about climate change is no longer conceptual, but now it's experiential. People have, people have had it affect their own lives in some way, whether it's through a fire or a flood or a heat wave. Uh, it, it's something that is no longer an abstract notion, but something that people have firsthand experience with and one thing that's so clear on that is how i back in the summer i was seeing because i check the weather on my phone because my daughters are both college in the east coast but how the, the smog there was really bad weather and when i read about it it was smoke from the fires on the west coast smoke from the fires on the west coast were affecting the air quality everybody has been affected by it um mm -hmm. so you really unless you're I'm not going to get political. Uh, you're really sticking your head in the sand if you're if you're not aware of that this is going on. But on a note, we did have Paul Hawk, and I want to rescreen this film 2040. And Paul Hawkin was one of our. Uh, he was great. Oh, we had him on our, yes. our panel. He's an amazing. Yes, that screening and that panel was fantastic. It was oh, so good. You, oh, you saw it? Yes. Yes. Oh, I was there. Yes. it was really fun. It was a great positive film. If anyone hasn't seen, go watch 2040. 
Uh, it's an Australian gentleman who created it. It's Australian, but it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. I absolutely loved the frame of the film because it really sets the solutions rather than just stating the problem. And I think it's really great, the change that we've seen so far. I feel that these coming generations are more so aware of these problems and more interested and more active in becoming part of the solution. So I think having workshops like these and films like 2040 are so vital to that. Yeah, his the latest book messed it up. The young kids are going to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> his latest book is great too. I, I haven't finished it yet, but I'm really enjoying it. Regeneration. Um, and one of the first things that it shared, which uh, I was just talking um, on a, a doing an interview about this uh, that I really liked was, and it didn't get a lot of news coverage, is that one of the recent IPC reports shared about how if we can level off emissions that there isn't nearly as much baked in damage as we previously thought so previously we thought well even if we stop right now we're going to be screwed for decades and the latest modeling based on advances in computing power allow us to predict more accurately what we think would happen. And the latest models show that if we can level things off, that the planet can recover much faster than we had previously thought. So it was really inspiring to think like, oh, maybe we're not, you know, we need to get our act together. We need to stop increasing the emissions. But once we do, we can recover much more quickly than what we had previously thought. And there isn't nearly as much baked in damage as we were fearing. So, well, and also if we can do things like regenerative farming, there's so much ability for the soil to sequester carbon that in addition to stopping, continue to do these things that are going to sequester, not, not, you know, in natural ways to do it. So that yeah, could double the impact. That's good news. Yeah. I had heard from uh, the city council in Santa Monica a few years ago, had a scientist on the panel that was saying that even if we removed all the carbon from the atmosphere, the ocean being a carbon sink, once it's that displacement, once the, the carbon is out of the atmosphere, all the carbon that the ocean is sequestered will then come back up into the atmosphere. So he was kind interesting. Of saying, so it's kind of pressurizing it within. Well, it's kind of, you know, that thing you're displaced. So like you don't have any space in the atmosphere. It goes into the ocean. And then when the space opens up, it frees itself, you know. But that was a, quite a few years ago. I'm not sure if that's still. I'd rather look on the positive side that uh, <laughs> Paul Hawkins book. There's a a question uh from chelsea do you want to uh there we go yes chelsea wants to ask do you guys have information for private composting facilities in la since we cannot put any food materials in our green bins and our public service composting is limited um i do not know off the top of my head of any private composting but what i'm hopeful is that that pilot program, and especially because the state's having mandates. Now, states, the mandate will not cover single family homes, but they're piloting these in homes. So I'm hoping that LA will roll out like Santa Monica has the program beyond the, um, the pilot that they're doing. So that is one hopeful thing. I, I'm not aware of any private companies that have um, facilities in LA. No, and let me just clarify you can put your food in the green bins in LA. 
So it's totally acceptable. Yeah, so I'm not sure since we cannot put any materials in our green bins. Yes, you can put food materials in your you green bins. You can put fruits and vegetables um, as long as you're not consumed. And the only people who can put food into their compost bin are the, is this pilot program of, tw of that for this year. The, they're doing the Curb LA program. It's a pilot program. No, I stand corrected. I live in Los Angeles and I can put food materials in my okay, green bin. Are you sure that they're, comp they're processing it? I mean, it has the food, you know, there's on, on the green, like look on your green bin, look on the label and it has landscape waste, food waste, food clippings. So, maybe you're part of that pilot program. Yeah, oh, that could maybe be. I am. But I would check with community. If you have a local community garden, that's a good place to start. Uh, okay. They often may accept. Um, I would just check with all local community gardens, but it's not, um, it's not like a very, uh, it's not very widespread or available as far as, as far as I'm aware, because you can't put, you know, more cities are allowing food materials in the green bin because of the ordinance. What we tell people is like exactly what Barrett created. We tell people freeze it if you want to collect it and then find someone who has a green bin. But as Susie mentioned, you can go to your local community garden and see if they are taking uh, the compost. So yeah, that's that's the way for right now to get through it. But hopefully this program in LA will fully expand. And I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up to see if uh, about that because from what I just learned that the pilot is for specific families right now. Unless it ended because it started in 2020, but there's no updated information that I've received. Yeah, I, I think what what I'm reminded of when I think of like what we can do out here in New York City and what you guys can do in LA is. Part of the challenge is that there are so many different rules and our culture is now so transient that people move around and they get used to, you know, what they can do in one city is, can be very different than what they can do in another. Um, obviously there's a lot of back and forth between New York and LA and it, it's still challenging, you know, you know, trying to figure out what the differences are between these uh, these different communities as more and more people move around the country and each city has its own set of rules. So. Well, in New York City, there's a five boroughs and it, with the rules that New York City says, follow all five boroughs, follow that, right? Right, right. But LA is, LA, I'm from New York originally, as you know, LA to me is a big suburb. So yeah. it's the county within all, and then like Venice is actually LA city. And so it's, you say Venice, California, but Venice isn't its own city, it's part of LA. Mm -hmm. So there's other areas that like Beverly Hills is its own city, but there's other parts like Brentwood is part of Los Angeles. Pacific Palisades is part of Los Angeles, but they all sound like their own cities. So it's much right. more complicated, I believe. I mean, LA, waste they had hundreds of different waste haulers. A few years ago, they had this program where they divided into 11 sections, I believed, and they gave contracts to like seven waste haulers that eat because it was crazy. There were so many haulers, it got out of control. So they had to put out RFP, people had to apply. If you got accepted, you got a few uh, different um, mm -hmm. districts. Uh, so council districts, um, it was a bit crazy and it still is, so. I have a great resource. There is a site, a website, I believe it's run by um, just a nonprofit or a set of volunteers. It's called recyclebycity.com. Um, I just put it in the chat, if you can share it in the public chat. Um, oh. This website, so it's simply recyclebycity.com, no spaces, just low lowercase. 
and a, a couple of years ago, it just had three cities on there. There was Santa Monica, West Hollywood, and Los Angeles. Um, it keeps growing. So now I see nine cities on there. I see Austin, Chicago, Flagstaff, Houston, Los Angeles, Philadelphia. So that's oh, a great, like it's, it, it's growing. Um, contact the people, get New York, you know, try to get New York on their other cities. Um, and that's super that's useful amazing. and it, it guides you and then it gives you a little quiz. It tests you at the end. Um, so it's, it's, I share this website with um, any businesses I work with. It's a great way to educate employees. The little right. test guide is, right. is good. Which so businesses I, will have multiple locations. Right. So they and can follow the guidelines each uh, location. Yeah. Well, and we, you know, the whole waste process is so confusing. And there are people who are trying to work on making it standard across because people want to do stuff that's easy. That's, you know, that they don't have to work hard. So like you just said, you're in LA. Oh, I could, you know, compost this, but I can recycle this. And then I go to this city. Well, I can't. And to remember yeah. it, it make people are crazy. Like we need to have a standard from California to New York, from yeah. North Dakota to Texas. You go, this is what compost, it can be composted. This is what can be recycled. Right. And this is how it goes. So it becomes something people don't have to think about. Even people in the business, are have are confused about it and struggle with it yeah it's constantly changing and it's all different wherever you go but until I, you I, get there i think that's why signage is important although often people don't even look at look at the sign they don't you know it's so much taken but um until then that's why i think signage is now mandated in california i think uh one of the things we've learned through this pandemic is just how relatively easy it is to have events like this or other virtual events. And I'm hoping the side effect of that becomes more information sharing. And we're like, oh, wait a minute, look what Austin's doing, you know, because I just spoke to somebody over there then, you know, on a meeting last, you know, hour. And, and so I think the, the ability to share information like this, I'm hoping will accelerate um, best practices around the country and world. Yeah, that is a benefit of COVID. Like I was saying with our virtual films, we, you know, before we only had people right around Santa Monica that were willing to drive to the theater at seven o'clock at night. And right. now we've had China and Australia and, and Mexico, right. people from all over, all over the country, all over the world. And the ability, like we are here talking to you guys in New York, right. Where right. typically I wasn't flying to New York. I love you, Baron, but I wasn't flying to New York to come to <laughs> New York. Although I am coming to New York to see, uh, go to um, Governor's <laughs> Island. So. Well, I think Maite uh, saw that film when you were, what, in Chile, Maite? Yeah. The, the yeah. Oh, 2040, you were in Chile? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> cool. So it's incredible. That's cool. Yeah, it's incredible oh. how we get to connect with any place in the world now. Like, it's, yeah. so, it's become so easy. But we still have to have more time for those personal in-person connections because we can't be too focused on our technology. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So when you come to New York, Gina, uh, we'll have to give you an in-person tour of the microphone. I'm actually coming in no early November, but it's just kind of a drive-through to pick up my daughter at NYU to go to a, a 90th birthday party in Connecticut. So, but I will come in her for her graduation in May. I'll make sure. And she's very All excited right. about bringing her. Her students, her, her floor students. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're going to do a field trip. 
yeah, yeah the description that you gave me and she was really she said oh it sounds like fun so she's really excited to do that well in governor's i don't know i forget when we talked about that but governor's island just made an announcement about two weeks ago that they're going to be open year round so right. uh and they will have ferry service from brooklyn seven days a week so it'll be much easier for the field trips to to happen so spring i think she's thinking early spring fantastic cool. We're and over there, I didn't, it's been awesome. Go ahead, Susie. Yeah, I have saying? a question. I just it's about your bin. What yeah. is your bin called? The your oh, we call it the biocycler because because it, it you know I teach about the circular economy and I tell our designers if uh, if we can design everything into either a technical cycle or a biological cycle, then there is no waste, right? The technical is the metal, glass, plastic, and the biological cycles are food wood, paper, we can, if, as a designer, we can put it, our products into one of those two categories, then there's no such thing as waste, right? As uh, McDonough likes to say. So um, mm -hmm. we call it the biocycler because it, it supports the biological cycle. That's a great name, biocycler. I did not realize, and I see um, Celeste has yeah. put on there, <laughs> the, the selling point is you can put it in your freezer. Like yeah, I- Yeah, it fits in your freezer I, door. Okay, did you I, go out and measure every freezer that was ever manufactured to see if that width is, is close? No, but you can't. Oh, right. I took our prototype to, to Lowe's and I stuck it in like all the all the fridges and all the freezers and made sure. Oh man, I love it. That's really great. Because all that's you know what all those people who don't have their own ability to compost need to do and then give, give that to a friend, give that to a community garden. That's a great that's Taking a great selling point. else's another city's green bin and yeah <laughs> yes that's yeah. a great selling point and um i'm gonna put that on my um holiday list for gifts because thank you because yeah. you know well our kickstarter is wrapping it we've got one more week so we're gonna push as hard as we can so um yeah maybe put the uh put the kickstarter in the in the chat that's the best way to to back us and support us that way is uh following us on kickstarter and supporting us there so well, thank you Jesus. so much, Barrett. This was really fun. Great to this see you. Awesome catching up with you guys. Susie, you too, when you get out to New York, we'd love to give you a tour of the micro factory and um, catch up with uh, Steve. and you know, Totally. Thank you, so. Maite, for all your- I haven't been there in so long. Overdue. Of course. Support. So lovely to meet you. you. Nice <laughs> to meet you. All right, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Keep in mind, we'll put this together into a podcast. Uh, and so you'll be able to listen uh, as well. And it'll be on our website as a, as a video. So it will live on and you can send this link to anyone who wasn't able to join tonight. So thanks again, Gene and Susie. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Baron. And, uh, okay. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Bye.